to the age of plastic with me, Andrea Fox, your environmental podcast, cutting through the overwhelming amount of info on our planet's demise in the hope of finding some useful tips on how to save it. I hope 2019's treated you well so far. Sorry that we had a little festive break, but we are back with a brand new guest for you in just a moment and not just any guest, but a self-confessed warrior on waste. First up, though, in some environmental news... The UK government have announced some long overdue changes when it comes to reducing single-use plastic. Hooray, I hear you cry. Basically, as well as forcing the producers to pay millions more pounds towards the collection and recycling of their packaging waste, the idea is to tackle plastic pollution and food waste, something that we learnt from Alison Ogden-Newton from Keep Britain Tidy on a previous podcast. Food waste is a big issue when it comes to our landfill. So basically, this new strategy, which was announced in December, aims to do the following, according to The Guardian. Introduce a tax on single-use plastic, which has less than 30% recycled content. Consider banning plastic packaging where there are alternatives. Legislate to allow government to specify a core set of materials to be collected by all local authorities and waste operators. Commit to a deposit return scheme for bottles and cans. Ensure all households get food waste collections. And try to build a stronger UK recycling market. Which all sounds good to me. I just no idea why it will take until 2023 for some of this to be implemented. But I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. This is surely a positive step. So a chance to celebrate. Crack open the vegan Prosecco. Time for today's guest now and our very first of 2019. She is the queen of upcycling, does loads of work to engage young people into caring for the environment around them and is a self-confessed warrior on waste. Lynn Lamborn is my guest today on the Age of Plastic podcast and we discuss so much how to get the next generation to get involved and do better than we have, what she would love to see change, her tips for a sustainable home including her Grand Designs Interior Designer of the Year Award for her fabulous sustainable room design. First up, though, I started off my chat with Lynn Lamborn by finding out exactly where her eco journey began. I think um, I've always been into sort of sustainability and vintage and upcycling and that kind of thing, um, but and swimming. I love my swimming, and I think I went on holiday and the beaches weren't what they used to be. I went snorkeling, the coral wasn't what it used to be. And this we're talking about five, six years ago. And then I sort of thought, hang on a second, what's going on here? And then more reading things, seeing things in the media and just thinking, oh, gosh, I've got to do something. Um, I, I want to teach my kids what my dad taught me. I remember going snorkeling in Thailand, just being blown away by what's under the ocean. And thought, I've got to do something and fast because yeah. things are changing. Um, and started very slowly trying to teach the children through Warriors on Waste about it um, and also teaching them upcycling. And then it's just grown from there, really. And everybody seems to, I think, largely helped by David Attenborough last Christmas. Um, suddenly, now, lucky for me, everybody's on board as well. So it's just been sort of a timing thing. But I would say the ocean has always been one of my major loves. It's funny that because I have to agree with you. I think I said in an earlier podcast that I remember going like rock pooling as a kid mm-hmm. in France. Yeah. And I just feel like in the beaches now, I still do that thing. I still act like a little kid. I still love it. But there's just more plastic mm-hmm. than life. Exactly that. So my kids love rock pooling as well. And what alarmed me was, whereas when I was a child, um, particularly on Anglesey and when I'd go on holidays, I'd be rock pooling for little crabs 
and lovely shells. Yes. And they were coming up to me and saying, Mummy, look what I found. And they were handing me like, oh, look at this bottle top. Oh, Mummy, look at this. I'm thinking, actually, we're rock pooling now for trash. Yeah. Which seemed fascinating. It is fascinating. You know, I found a crisp packet from China on a beach in Swansea the other week. And, you know, wow. that, that is fascinating to me. There's that element that does, you know, excite me. What am I going to find? But also it's so alarming. It's so worrying that actually children go to the beach to rock pool or go to find things that uh, is rubbish. Mm. Sad. And, uh, you know, I've got to do my bit. I've got to stop that becoming the norm. I, you know, I'm doing a website at the moment called Worries on Waste. It's just really an information pod for people to kind of go into. Um, and I say on it that I don't want that to become the norm. I don't mm. want children to accept that as that's what you do on a beach. You swim through water bottles or you find this, that that can't be something that I allow to happen. Yeah. So. And I do love that your kind of ethos with the warrior on waste thing, you're, you're very much like kid-centric and child-centred mm-hmm. and I love the sort of like help Nemo kind yeah. of aspect of it because that really gets their imagination, well, That's the it? best way I could figure to explain to them. You know, Saving Nemo, the imagery on that cartoon is just so vivid, the colours are so vivid, it's so beautiful, that to explain to them that that won't be there anymore if we don't do something drastic. And I think really to make changes, you've got to tackle the next generation. Our generation just don't see it. They've become so used to going into you know, the, the corner shop and picking up a plastic water bottle for their day out. They don't see it as, as wrong. Yet the we're teaching the younger generation and they're actually nagging their parents and that's making a huge impact. And, and they're so keen to learn and, and it, you know, I try and make it as fun as possible. We dress up in our military fatigues. We're a gang. It's cool. It's cool to care. I always try and really use that tagline. You know, it's the most uncool thing to walk around with a plastic water bottle. Yeah. And, and kids love that. They yeah. want to be part of something. And you quite like the sort of camouflage, the the war kind of warriors. Do you yeah. think kids kind of get involved in that? They kind of yes, see think, that as play? Yeah, I think the imagery really helps on that. And it, it really didn't start with anything other than ever since I've known myself as an adult fashion-wise, I've always worn, maybe I, I was born in, I mean, my parents were in the military. Maybe it's something to do with that. But I absolutely love that imagery. And then when I was trying to think of a really cool name, it just came one day to me, oh, warriors on waste. We've just got to be warriors. We're going to go out there. And, um, yeah, I think the kids love that, that kind of element. And actually, in one of the clubs that I run at school, an after-school club, one, one of the, the sort of the things that we do is we all make posters one day, and then I say, go, go. And I tell them, we've got no permission from the teachers. We actually do. Um, go, just pin them around the school. Go, you're on the attack. You know, and they love that, that kind of element of going out there and doing something amazing, kind of challenging the world and taking on the world to, to have these better views and better policies. So, yeah, I love it. It's really nice as well to see that I, I do feel like there is a bit of a tide shifting, even things like, I've just been out for lunch, veganuary everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so many more people using recyclable bottles, reusable coffee mm-hmm. cups, all that kind of thing. Yeah, it does make a difference. It's definitely changing. And I think this January, one thing I've really noticed, and I've just done a blog on it, is sustainable fashion and looking at landfill and looking at what we're sending to landfill and our spending patterns and... At last, I feel that you know it's it's cool to turn up wearing something that you've worn before. Nobody's expect it's actually uncool to say I just got this and a piece of new and this is new and we're all now shopping in our own wardrobes. We're all now looking a little bit more closely at what we're doing because buying this cheap fashion that you know fills us with gratification for five minutes, but then actually sits at the back of the wardrobe and does nothing and ends up going to landfill isn't cool and I'm really grateful that you know for ages the fashion blogging world was every two minutes buy this go this you know and this January certainly we're seeing a much more of a move towards sustainable fashion and people really talking about sustainability and that sort of whole thing rather than the sales 
Yeah. So, I mean, that fills me with hope. I definitely feel the same. And it's definitely something we want to get to um, on the podcast because fast fashion was one of those things um, I've learned about. Like uh, Liv uh, Firth is big on that. And I think it's definitely something which you're seeing more on the high street. And I think Stella McCartney's never used leather. She's always used um, fake leather, even though it's more expensive for her. But I think you've got to see um, it on the high street, don't you? Yeah, because Adidas, I work a lot and I wear lots of the photos which sorry everybody but I do go out a lot in a bikini or a bathing costume just to promote <laughs> the ocean but this particular brand and you look that great I in a bikini yeah, thanks <laughs> um, but the um, this particular brand is Adidas Parle which is made from ocean waste and they are now moving they've just at the moment doing the Australian Open so all of the stuff all of the tennis wear is made from recycled ocean waste and they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger which is amazing and other brands now are jumping onto that bandwagon and realising that actually we can make fabrics from this ocean waste and that for me is is absolutely brilliant and and my swimming costume in fact says save the ocean all over it and is made from ocean waste but I have the trainers so people can make that choice now and um, I've seen it in actually in H&M and Zara have done, done their own very small range of fabrics and and jackets all made from recycled plastics it's small small little diffusion ranges but it's it's becoming that way it's becoming more expected when you go shopping that there is something that you can buy that is in line with that which is great yeah, it's like the H&M conscious, isn't it? Yes, yeah. And they actually take your bags of clothes as well, so not many people know that. So if you've got, it doesn't have to be clothes from H&M, it could just be old fabrics. If you take a bag in, they will give you a £5 voucher to spend in H&M against anything that you want to buy. So it's putting, it's that circular kind of recycling going on, so you're putting the fabric back into something useful that otherwise would have gone to landfill, and brilliant. That is an amazing tip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Closed loop recycling Mm -hmm. as well. Something we've all got to be a bit more aware of, isn't it? Yeah. So we've talked about so much, like starting with like little kids and the high street and high end. Um, If there was one thing you could change about like our habits towards waste and recycling, it's hard to narrow it down. What sort of thing would you like to see? Would it be consumers you'd love to see change or would it be something from government or companies Oh, there's so much. There's isn't so much. There? It's so hard, isn't it? It is really hard. I think waiting for the government to change, you know, of course, we've got a campaign on the bigger things of policies of, you know, what the supermarkets are allowed to sell, packaging and all those types of things. That's a real bugbear of mine, supermarket packaging. And of course, that needs to be um, government who make these big, broad kind of policy changes. But actually, the way I look at it and the way I see the world is that every day we can make a change. Every day, it's only in our power to do what we can do. We can't sit around and wait for these policy changes. We can't sit around and wait for big, you know, big companies to do it for us. If I don't buy that plastic bottle, they don't sell it. So I can make that choice. And if I don't buy the cucumber wrapped in the plastic bit, then they can't sell it. So it's me putting a stop to that. And many me's will make a massive impact. So if we can all just do that little thing. So I think the biggest sort of change or biggest thing that I would like to see is people just taking more ownership, people taking control of what they do and thinking and believing in what they do will make a difference. So many times you, you know, and you see it all over the internet, there's really good sort of memes that say, you know, well, that one plastic straw won't make a difference or that one plastic bottle make a difference. And it will. Yeah. It really, really will. And it's so brilliant when I see people who are in control of what they do every day and making it stand. And that's, that's the best change. It reminds me of that great quote, like, uh, what can I do, said 8 billion people. That's, that's 8 that's billion straws. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, that's the quote. And, you know, I've seen it all over Instagram with these pictures of the turtles and everything. And that's it. It's just you're in control every day of, of what you do. And if you can 
be brilliant and make brilliant choices, then all together those brilliant choices form something brilliant and everything will be better. It won't be perfect because we, it, there is so much work to be done, but it will be better and that's all we can ask for. I think that's a great message as well, what you're saying, because I think sometimes we get so overwhelmed when you watch the David Attenborough documentaries or you read another, you know, horror story about global warming. But actually... We do have power, like mm-hmm. you say. Yeah. And if you can do as much as you can, that's actually quite a big difference. Yeah. You know, it's depressing, isn't it? Uh, you know, you watch these programs and you come away from it and you're oh, God. Yeah, what can I do? It's and horrendous. But actually, every time those programs come out, that's a positive because it gives somebody else a kick up the arse to perhaps not buy that water bottle tomorrow and perhaps take control of their choices. So, yeah, that's all I ever say to the children is just nag your friends. nag, And, and the power is yours. And, and do what you can with it, really. Yeah. That's all I'm trying to do, is just go out there and, and alert people to that. If I start at the bottom, we can work our way to the top. That's such a great ethos. And you love uh, not only a dip in our waterways, <laughs> yeah. as I saw. Was it Boxing Day Swim Boxing in Boxing Day Swim, yeah, across the river. Um, How cold was it? I think it was five degrees. Yeah. Rather you than me. <laughs> it was it was cold. It took me about a week to heat back up. But um it was fun. It's fun. And yeah. what was did you notice any pollution in those waterways? Were they pretty No, I actually swim in the Thames. That's brilliant. Um well not on that day. To be honest, I was too cold to see anything. <laughs> um but I swim most days in the summer in the Thames in Henley. Wow. And whilst I will see the odd occasional bottle bobbling along at the side, I don't notice anything massively significant there. Um but I think where where we when we go to the beaches, probably most people would say that in the UK. They don't see anything, but that doesn't mean it's not there. We're looking at micro, you know, microplastics now, which is there. Not many people have a, you know, can see those with a trained eye, even you need to look really closely. Yeah, it's like a hidden danger, isn't it? It is a hidden danger, um, but it is, you know, it is there. Mm. It is there and it is working. It's, and I did a litter pick last week in Henley and um, along the sides of the river, not in the river, too cold to get back in there. <laughs> um, and it's alarming, actually, what is there and... It will ultimately work its way all back to the ocean, back into the rivers, back into to things like that. So cigarette butts was our main, you know, and people aren't even aware, I don't think, that they're plastic. Yeah. And people just smoke, drop them on the pavement, and what do they think is going to happen with them? Where are they going to go? Into the drain, yeah. into our waterways. Yeah. And that's certainly something that I see in Henley and um, when I'm swimming mm. along the sides. Um, and that is my next big bugbear at the moment. What can we do about that? very difficult because mm. even picking them up with litter pickers is, is, is you know, it's like trying to eat noodles with chopsticks. and they're so light like it's it's that t- like any microplastic which is essentially what they are yeah they get blown yeah. out of bins or out mm. of ashtrays and, and unfortunately all that. once they've been in the water a while they start sort of disintegrating slightly and they do look like fish food you know you can see why these animals are eating them um and it's obviously not doing them any good ultimately then we're eating everybody's cigarette butts which is the frightening thought yeah that is really frightening it is enough to make me go vegan quite frankly Mm. and when I keep reading about it Um, so as well as loving our waterways you also love an upcycle so where do these skills come from Oh God. Have you always I've, been I've, a sort of craftsman? Yes, I've always been quite crafty um, and a little bit creative uh, and years ago I did this TV show called The Great Interior Design Challenge and um, loved it and that you know you're on a budget there and you have to sort of make things and paint furniture and I did that and I think when I first moved out of London we moved to this house in Henley and had absolutely no budget whatsoever for furniture so it was charity shops and raiding you know your granny's attic and that sort of thing and painting and I soon realized that actually you can make things look completely brilliant with a can of chalk paint and a bit of creativity 
So, um, yeah, and that's how my journey with that began. And I've not stopped since. You know, I can't walk past a pallet without shoving it in the car, taking it home and making it into a coffee table or something. And oh, God, I wish I had those skills. I'm so jealous of you for that. I really but am. I, you know, you literally can learn them. You really can. It doesn't take... I'm not, you know, a furniture designer by any means, but it's just being capable with a drill and a saw and learning to... And if you love it, you will you do become addicted very quickly, I have to say, when you start realising how easy it is. Um yeah, I think upcycling is a great way to accessorise your home for not much money and it to look amazing. Upcycling, recycling, however you want to talk mm-hmm. about it. You are saving something from landfill. Exactly. You are reusing an item and that you, like you say, I think there's such pride when you've upcycled something because you're like, I made that mm-hmm. X times better and I absolutely love it. Yeah. What a nice well, thing to have I in your home. Um, Grand Designer of the Year at Grand Designs Live two years ago for that, for a room set that was only based on upcycle furniture or furniture found from a skip or from granny's attics. And the few new things that were in the set were made from recycled plastic bottles or recycled smartphone screens or wool from landfill that had been respun. So everything was just a feature. When I did it, I remember, I remember on the day I was going to ask you there, about that. It sounds so brilliant. Well, what a great idea. It was a lot of work because mostly when you do a room set, you just phone up brands and say, can I borrow a table? Can I borrow a sofa? And mm-hmm. everything arrives and then you just accessorise it up. And the weeks beforehand, I was literally looking for, I need a coffee table. Oh God, skip this, that. <laughs> I couldn't buy anything new and I realised I'd set myself up for a bit of a challenge. But it all came together Succeeded. on the day. And then, yeah, and I just then looked at it and thought, will anyone get it? Does it look like a charity shop? Does it look wrong? You know, does it just look like I've mashed together a whole load of crap? But it won. And Sophie Robinson, who was one of the judges, and Dan Hotwood, and they're both from Great Interior Design Challenge, funny enough, um, they came around and they totally got it. And they were amazed that you can get glassware made from recycled phone screens. No but one you knew. You keep seeing it now, don't you, yeah. in magazines? And I'm like, wow, thank God someone yeah. thought of that. Yeah. And that's all I want to do is just promote that. And whenever I do an interior design job, I try and always suggest to the client, you know what, you know you want this new rug? Well, this company makes them from recycled bottles. Ultimately, it's their choice. Mm-hmm. But I like to give them... A sustainable option. Yeah. yeah. And I'm certainly not the interior designer who goes in and says, you know what, we need to raid this catalogue. Let's get this, get that, 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 that. No. I say, what have you got? Should we look in your attic? What are you not using? What's in the garage? Can I paint that? You know, why don't we keep that, but we'll change the handles? And suddenly... You know, they've got something which they already had. It's just fresh eyes, really, Mm. and saving somebody money, saving landfill, and being just a little bit more sustainable along the way. Have you got any items that you've upcycled upcycled that are your absolute favourites? Things you're really proud of that you have in your home that you're like, I am so glad I rescued that out of a skip that day when it was raining or whatever. Yes, I mean, I've got a chair, which is... um, A G-plan chair, which I found sort of sitting in a skip, facing up, and I saw the legs of it, and I thought, and I rescued that and then got that recovered. That's amazing. I love that. Um, and my daughter's got, it's a 1980s kind of TV cupboard. In those days, they used to put the TV in a cupboard and shut it off. Well, obviously, nobody does that anymore. No, flat screens. So <laughs> yeah. I upcycled it and it's it's like a beauty box, I call it. So it's doors on it, but it's got the mirror in it now. And I fitted lights inside it and painted it and changed the handles. And it's the drawer where you would have put, I think, probably the video player um is now where it's got got sort of makeup holders and bits and pieces like that so so it's a really solid piece of furniture but you know over time purposes of things change slightly yeah things become unfashionable and but you know if you look at it with fresh eyes and a bit more creativity then um you know you can you can reuse it in your home somewhere so i love that as well but i mean literally everything in my house is from a skip or from you know painted up um, you do have a beautiful Instagram. It's, oh, it's a you. lot of like uh, <laughs> interior design porn. I don't know if that's the right phrase. Yeah, no, we call it house porn. Yeah, that house is porn. exactly the right phrase. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so like, you're very good, really good as well on your Instagram for sort of single-use plastic shaming companies. Do you find you've got quite a lot of good feedback from companies when you do that? Uh, yes, most of the time. Um, people are really, so, you know, wagamamas, I hit hard all the time. Um, they've changed their straws now. Pret-a-Manger are a bit of a bugbear of mine because they haven't yet got rid of their plastic cutlery. That is coming. Um, wow. But in a lot of their shops as well, even if you sit in, you're given a disposable cup. Yeah, I, Things I like love that annoy Pret, me. but why not just wash up a mug? They've got enough space for, mm-hmm. like, a dishwasher. Yeah, I find it ironic as well because they're so heavy on the organic side of things, yet then they've got this plastic element. Mm. And I understand, um, you know, a lot of time from speaking to brands that they have pre-ordered things. And pre-orders are huge. Mm -hmm. So they have paid that money in advance. And obviously it's difficult to then suddenly just say, no, we're not having it. And where would it go, I suppose? It's it's going to go to landfill already. But slowly people are changing. You know, McDonald's now only give you a straw if you ask for it. Although in certain stores I've been in, they are still out. I will always challenge. I will always go up to them and say, I thought your policy was this. And then usually someone will get the manager. (laughs) Mad ladies here in their camo jacket. But I think if I don't challenge... You know, wherever you go, you have that right to say, you know, and I always say, no, straw, please. And if I see someone and it's a plastic straw, I will say to the barman, you know, I will say, last year in, in Mauritius um, on Christmas holiday, really fortunate, wanted to go and see all the reefs. And oh, it sounds amazing. It was amazing. I got to swim with dolphins a lot. But in our hotel, they had plastic, everything, plastic stirrers, plastic straws, plastic this. By the time I left, I was called the plastic, oh, morning, the plastic lady. And <laughs> I left, I had a meeting with the resort manager. They own three or four, it's Altitude Hotels, they own three or four resorts in Mauritius, got back and got an email from them to say they wouldn't be doing it anymore. They would be getting rid of the plastic straws. And honestly, that what was one of my, win. I literally wanted to cry. It was like one of my most happiest emails. So that, just by making a joke of it I'm never nasty I'm quite a funny person but I just go out every day and just say and I challenge my kids to do it in club as well I always say to the warriors and my you know go out there and, and say to somebody and they'll report back you know I think that is a really lovely message because one of the things that I found since starting this podcast is even if you can't afford to buy a reusable bottle you have people power Mm -hmm. to email companies and go email your supermarket and say Mm -hmm. I am going to stop shopping with you if you don't think about the excess packaging mm-hmm. that you use. And I think it's a brilliant message to, for you to get out there that actually nothing bad comes from going, oh, I'm sorry, I mm-hmm. thought your policy was to not have this I think if you anymore. do it in a really nice way, in a caring way, you're not, um, you know, and I always, when I tweet or when I go on Instagram about it, I always say really positive first. It's a management tool I was taught years ago, you know, positive before negative. But, Ooh, you know, good. often these places are amazing. Like Wagamama's food is amazing. I love Katsu your food. Curry. Wow, exactly. <laughs> Don't you make me hungry. Um, but, you know, I love your food, but my experience in your restaurant would be so much better if you'd just bin the bloody straws, you know, and just constantly a positive and a negative. So I'm not against these companies. These companies are amazing brands. They all do amazing food. They all do amazing things. However, there are things that they could just make even more amazing. And if I point that out to them, you know, I'm going to call you out. I will call you out. And the second time I call you out, it gets slightly nastier. And the third time I'm cross. <laughs> so, but changes are happening. And I think that's lovely to see when you do eventually, um, you know, get some recognition and people come to you. And people are always sending me photos as well. They're like my little spies. <laughs> All my Instagram followers are like, Lynn, pst, we saw this today. And then they send me a photo. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. Your little Message. army of warriors yeah. on waste. Yeah. I yeah. think that's really good though because companies do want the feedback and they mm-hmm. are going to have they not can't ignore it if we all keep saying the same thing no. and they're not going to change it until we tell them. No. They're not going to know unless you point it out to staff that will feed through, won't mm-hmm. it? And I will always promote as well. So if I find out that there's a bit of, 
you know, a plastic good news from a brand, I will always tweet that out as mm. well or Instagram that Same. and say, this is great. You know, well done to these people. They've done this. You know, respect to them. So it works both ways. I'll help yeah. promote as much as I can as well with the good stuff. And it just goes to prove as well your point that people are, big companies are trying to change. Mm -hmm. IKEA and all sorts of supermarkets. Trying IKEA to are actually amazing. I do a lot of work with IKEA. I teach workshops at IKEA and their sustainability program is amazing. Um, they are getting rid of the plastic bottles, which um, every time I go there, I moan at them about. But they are going. Um, they no longer do straws. They've stopped selling the straws, so they're working. But they have a whole initiative called Legom, which is um, it's just enough. So it's, it's about buying only what you need, not you know pushing it and buying this, buying that. So mm. it's amazing what they're doing. They have lots of um, initiatives where um, family members come into store and they're taught about recycling, they're taught about upcycling, they're taught... All these different things. I mean, not many people know that if you've got a sofa from Ikea and you call Ikea up, they come and collect it. They charge you a fee for doing that. And it's a very small fee. Half of that goes to a local charity. The other half goes towards recycling it. The whole sofa is wow. taken apart and recycled into new products that make the sofas for Ikea. That's amazing. That mm -hmm. is, again, something I had not heard before. Mm -hmm. That's brilliant. So it isn't this big landfill company that you think it possibly is. Yeah. It, it has a big conscience. What do you think as consumers are sort of the easiest and maybe the hardest things to change ideas? Well, the easiest things are the water bottles and the coffee cups um, and just getting rid of the cling film, moving on to beeswax wraps. These are easy changes. The most difficult ones are shopping, your supermarket shop, because I try and mm -hmm. it's near on impossible. I go to the market on a Thursday for my veg now, but um, other stuff which you need, even buying mints, it's difficult. You have to take your own box with you, your Tupperware box, to the deli tech you know, the deli counter and ask them to put it in that to take home. Not all supermarkets are keen to do that. And I think if you're, you know, life is busy enough and hard we enough as it is. so time pushed. I, yeah. am get, I still get weird looks when I do that at the local butchers. Mm. It's only me and my husband who go in and do it because whenever I go in on my own, they're like, oh, your husband was in here two days mm -hmm. ago because we're literally the only people who go in there mm -hmm. with our Tupperware. Yeah. But it's not the end of the world. Like, they give you a weird look and a smile and they don't mind doing it. No. What annoys me sometimes is you take, you know, I've had instances where I've taken my cup, for example, for a coffee mm -hmm. into cafes and then they look at you and they go, hmm, can't put that under my machine. So then they use a paper disposable cup, fill it up and pour it into your cup, which defeats the object totally. So things like that are, are quite annoying. Yeah. And um, But they say E. coli and there's all sorts of weird excuses that come out. But I definitely think the supermarket shop is the most tricky because we don't have time to go to numerous different stores and to remember to bring all the Tupperware that you might need no. and there are very few zero waste shops and they tend to be a little bit more expensive and that's something that the supermarket is going to have to take on board and do these plastic free aisles but take away the cost associated with that as well we don't want to see it more expensive we just want to see it more plastic friendly yes um, surely it's less packaging that they have to pay for. So you'd think, it, Steve, obviously that's not the way it works with economies of scale and everything, but... Yes, although I have had a conversation with somebody who works in the sustainability element of a supermarket brand. I won't name and shame them right now. But, um, and they were saying it's to do with wastage because a lot of the packaging on the fruit and veg helps it stay fresh and protected. And so the cost implications of doing it unwrapped with the wastage or more. Mm. So, which is kind of how it works for organic veg, isn't it? Because yeah. you lose a certain amount because it's not covered in chemicals and that's where the cost implication yep. comes in. Yeah. But yeah. So it's tricky. There mm. are, you know, there's all sorts of different factors. It's not just as simple. I appreciate that with supermarkets. It's not just as simple as suddenly putting all the cucumbers out there with nothing, no wrapping on. But we need to we need to solve it. I yeah. mean, it's it's no question. It's got to be changed. It's just how we do that without making it more expensive for the 
consumer, um, there's work to be done. <laughs> Lots of work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it starts at home. Um, I was thinking as well, the Collins word of the year last year was single use. Mm-hmm. Is your feeling on that that that's a positive or a negative? I think it's a positive. It means that we're talking about it. It means that everybody knows exactly what single use means. Um, maybe the word this year will be plastic free. Who knows? <gasps> That's a great one. I don't know. We shall but, see at the end of um, 2019. I do think that children, for a child to even understand what single use means, they straight away, the plastic that comes springs into their mind. I think it's good. It's a conversation, isn't it? Everybody is having that conversation, mm. which means that changes are afoot. So I thought it was a real positive. I have to agree with you there. Now, we always ask guests who come on the podcast their favourite plastic objects because plastic is a very good material. We just seem to be using it far too much and in single-use ways that it was never intended for. So, Lynn, do you have a favourite plastic object? My car? I mean, people don't know, but a lot of cars is made from plastic. Yeah, so my car allows me to get out about, to teach, to do all the things that are helping change the world in terms of in my little sphere of it to do with the worries and waste and I love my car so it's my think pod you know as you're driving along you think of all the things that you're going to do to change this da, da, da. so of it's course like shower, in a very safe it's one of those times isn't it way. yeah yes. where you think yeah. do what you're thinking so I love my car that allows me the freedom to, to, to get out and about in this wonderful world so yeah definitely the plastic in my car that is a great one We've maybe some one amazing car manufacturer hint hint anybody out there um, we'll think about making a dashboard or parts of the car all from recycled plastic bottles or something soon. I can't see why they wouldn't. No. That would be amazing. And then Ocean you could give plastic me one. car. <laughs> yeah, you could drive it around to promote With a number it. plate, Warriors on Waste. <laughs> oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah. Take that hint of off the floor, <laughs> car manufacturers. Um, and final question as well your eco hero, Boyan Slat. So he is, he's running the Ocean Cleanup campaign. So he's. Uh, He's a very young entrepreneur who has designed a machine which he's taken out into the Pacific Ocean, which is clearing the Pacific. Actually, it's come back at the moment because it's had a little smite glitch. But it is slowly but surely sucking the waste up from the ocean um, and cleaning it up because it's already, you know, it is, there's a lot already out there. Um, these guyers, as they call them, the fibers. Mm. Um, so he is doing that and he's taken that on board. He was doing a, something like a degree in. Um, aerospace I think and dropped out because he had this idea and has totally gone with it I think did a TED talk and then got taken up and has crowdfunded it it's a non-profit organization that is saving the ocean so um god I'd love to go for a coffee with him he is my ultimate hero at the moment and so young with his head screwed on in so many ways um I really respect what he's doing Kids of the future, Kids and like of you the say, future, absolutely. you're working with them a lot. He is my chief worry on waste. I'm going to send him a, a camo boiler suit. So put it on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if anyone wants to get involved in any of your workshops or work with you, where can they find you, Lim? I am in February for a week um, in Henley-on Thames doing some worries on waste workshops and some upcycling, teaching people the Annie Stone chalk paint method. So I'm around there. My website, Love Nelly, has all the information on and all relevant. And Instagram, I'm on Instagram stories and Instagram every day with some top tips on how to be more sustainable, top tips on upcycling, and just basically letting you know what I'm up to. So if you follow me on Instagram, you'll pretty much get to know. Um, yeah. and, I, and I hope it inspires people. All I try and do every day is just make people think a little bit in a funny way or in a nice way, um, you know, about what they're doing and what they can do 
to help save the world, as I say. I know it sounds grand, like grand, you know, illusions of grandeur saving the world, but really, by not buying that plastic bottle that day, that's what you're doing. It is making a difference. Mm-hmm. And yep. you've got amazing house porn on your Instagram as well. Worth checking out for that. I do have house porn. Yeah. <laughs> house porn. Let's just clear that up. <laughs> Lynn, thank you so much for coming you're on the Age of Plastic welcome. podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Apologies you. for the amount of times I said house porn during that interview. I was very tired at the time of recording. I really love Lynn's ethos that as consumers we can really take ownership of things and have some control over our environment and what happens to it. And I love her idea of starting from the bottom and working from the top. Work with what you can. And a big congratulations to our guest today, Lynn Lamborn. She's been nominated um, in the Sue Ryder Awards for Woman of the Year and she's got some very exciting ideas about what she's going to be wearing to the awards Do Good luck with that, Lynn. If you want to find out more about Lynn's interior design work or maybe you and the family want to get involved in one of her workshops, then head to lovenelly.co.uk. And as always, I'll put all the links in the show notes. And as always, the conversation continues online. You can find me at Age of Plastic Podcast on Instagram or email me via my website, iamandreafox.co.uk. I'd love to know your thoughts on today's episode and any other environmental bees that you may have in your bonnet. I'll see you next time on the Age of Plastic podcast. <laughs>